Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre. And today I'll be speaking with Lija Schreimacher. Lija is a Dutch MEP in the Renew Europe Group, and she is in the European Parliament Committee on International Trade, and particularly for this conversation, in the Delegation for Relations with the United States. And that's where we're going to focus on where are the state of that relationship and the future ahead. And that's our conversation. I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for this month of June. I'm here with Lija Schreimacher. Lija, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's a privilege to have you here. Last time you and I, we were in a public discussion about this topic, was during the webinar on the agenda, organized by the European Liberal Forum, with the title, USA Presidential Election, What Does It Mean for Europe? And you did a magnificent job at the time, mostly going into questions of trade and economic interdependence. However, I, I was thinking to myself, I need to talk with Leish about, uh, you know, extending a little bit the, scopic, the scope of this topic. So you are part of the Delegation for Relations with the United States in the European Parliament. Therefore, you're preview to, you know, a lot of inner workings on this kind of relationship. But before we go into that, tell us where this interest comes from. Was, you know, always from with you? Did it grow while you were making your way into yeah. the European Parliament. So what happened there? Yeah, uh, I think it was already when I was growing up. I had a special interest in the U.S. And then during my studies, I uh, lived there for a year. I did an internship at the United Nations in New York. And then I studied at San Francisco State University. So uh, that's where I think my interest for the U.S. comes from and also the interest in the culture, the political system. So it was truly a privilege that I got to be on the U.S. delegation in the European Parliament and also uh the shadow rapporteur uh, on behalf of renew so the one who's in charge of uh eu us trade relations on behalf of renew i i got lucky now getting getting in, then into the crux of the topic of our conversation today and we come of course from a very atypical period of four years with the trump administration but historically and you just mentioned that this kind of bond this kind of friendship between europeans and Americans, it, it always been here since, of course, and particularly after the Second World War. Now we have a, the Biden-Harris administration, where we're hoping to get back on track on a, a couple of things. So tell us what are the main issues uh, right now on the table in uh, the European Parliament working in repairing this uh, this very close relationship we had. Yeah, I think that uh, with this new Biden administration, really something has shifted. You you notice it the way President Biden Biden is addressing EU-US relations, but also the fact that on uh, International Women's Day, uh, Vice President Harris uh, did a speech in the European Parliament. Obviously, it was online, but uh, we had uh, the USTR, US Trade Representative uh, Tai, who was last week in our Trade Council. So you can see that the, the bond is really uh, yeah, strengthening uh, again. And I think that's really a good sign because to answer your question, what is on the table? 
Uh, it's climate, obviously. Uh, we have to really work together because we cannot solve the climate uh, crisis or climate issues uh, by ourselves. The US can't and the EU can't. We have uh, the human rights issues all over the world. We have unfair trade practices when it comes to China, uh, digitalization of, uh, uh, yeah, of societies, uh, rule of law. There's a lot of things on the table and I really believe that in working together with the U.S., uh, we can really uh, uh, make progress on these issues. What is the dynamic that is built with MEPs from the European Parliament and delegation that comes from either, you know, the House of Representatives or Senate Committee or even members of the, the White House administration? Uh, how does the thing work? There's an agenda, people sit at the table, they go for a drink while they're in COVID. It's a little more complicated, of course, but tell us a little bit how this sausage is made. I, obviously, as you, you mentioned, uh, right, rightfully so, that uh, during COVID, things have been a little bit uh, different than they usually are. But it also allowed us to really speak to people uh, that we wouldn't necessarily be able to have spoken to if it weren't for uh, all this hybrid working and this digital working. So uh, I think with the U.S. delegation, we have a meeting every two, three weeks, and uh, we invite an interesting speaker to speak about EU-U.S. relations. So uh, last week or two weeks ago, we had the uh, EU ambassador to the United States, who, uh, who we could ask any question that we wanted on uh, these relations and how he sees the U.S. political system evolving. But we've also had uh, really uh, uh, acknowledged pollers, so uh, people who poll for the U.S. election, talking us through how the elections were going to go uh, and mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. the election result meant. Uh, so that is something that we do with the U.S. delegations and obviously in the different committees. So I'm in the INTA committee. We also visit the U.S. and we uh, we go there and we talk about the subject that we are uh, working on uh, at that point. You were you were just saying a minute ago because of the culture. And yeah, I know how it is in Europe. Sometimes people say, well, Americans don't have culture, which is not true. But uh, do we have this kind of like side conversations? Hey, how the Yankees are doing? How how's the shows in Broadway? <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. When when we speak to them, you and they and they talk about French wine and Dutch cheese, and you know, we of course that's also part of uh, I think diplomatic relations, but also personal relations because I think personal. When it comes down to it, it's about people. And so you want to know how other people are doing and where they're coming from uh, when they speak about certain issues and where their interests lie. Now gets, let's get serious again. And you were just mentioning, for example, protection of human rights, protection of minorities, rule of law. Um, only that would be just a podcast because of what we're exper experimenting here <laughs> in Europe. But let's go a little more into blocks of you know, superpowers as they are right now constituted, like I'm thinking about, you know, the Russian Federation, China. And uh, this is a, a main concern. And you, just, you were just mentioning exactly that, how we're going to respond to China and to Russia. But also there's NATO, there's the defense systems in the European Union. How does the partnership between the U.S. and the EU uh, would can lead to a more stable and peaceful world where we see every day more and more craziness? Uh, 
That's that's a great question, and it's not a question that is easily answered. But uh, fortunately, we do have NATO, uh, especially when you look at what is happening now in Russia and Belarus. It's it's great that we have that uh, uh, that that uh, cooperation, and uh, I think people sometimes confuse, you know, having NATO and a and a strong EU defense. Uh, uh, defense policy uh, that they should be either or but I don't believe that I think that mm -hmm. in order to have a strong NATO you need two strong pillars so you need a strong US pillar but also a strong European pillar and it doesn't mean that you have to reinvent all sorts of new defense standards European defense standards because we have NATO standards but uh, you have I mean in Europe we have to really start working more together when it comes to defense in uh, buying uh, material uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, doing more exercises together uh, just so we are able to really work together with the, with the U.S. within NATO. Because I think uh, Trump said a lot of crazy things, but one of the things that he was actually right about is that the European spending on defense was really lacking behind, and I, I, I really couldn't agree with him more on this uh, on this issue. So I think when you have a strong NATO, that can already you know play a big role in uh, in in the world eh, to make it a, a safer place. Um, and uh, well, when you look at the the power blocks, to to go more in depth uh, to that, we now obviously when you look at the big power blocks, you have U.S., EU, China. Um, and uh, I think to really counter what China is doing on a large scale when it comes to the infringement of human rights in Hong Kong or uh, with the Uyghurs in Xinjiang um, or also when it comes to trade, you know, they have a lot of on trading practices that they are that they are uh, uh, doing, then there's just one way forward. And that is really by working together with the US uh, on these issues, because you you do not want China to be able to divide the U.S. and the EU. Are the concerns the same? So do you feel like when you're exactly talking about uh, the magnificent Dutch cheese <laughs> with uh, some delegation from the United States that there's a convergence or do the Americans have a vision? Does the Europeans have another vision? And then there's got to be some, you know, common ground found. I think that you're saying that very right, uh, because um, we, I mean, we have converging, converging interests and diverging interests. And uh, obviously, we will not always see eye to eye on some issues. Uh, sometimes the, the US will go for its own interests. Sometimes the EU will go for its own interests. So we do not have to be naive about it. But we also have some uh, some we have to really look for the the policy areas and the the issues that we really have common interests and uh, those are as i mentioned the mm -hmm. the china uh, the wto reform that's something that i haven't mentioned before but now we have an appellate body that is not functioning i think we would all benefit from a functioning uh, appellate body within the wto so we, I think for now, also because we are just starting to build our transatlantic relationship or rebuild it again, uh, we really have to look into uh, the issues that we can, can work together on and uh, where we have common interests. 
So there is a relationship to repair with the United States. The Trump administration got us, got us and them into some silly trade wars. One of your functions at the European Parliament is exactly on international trade. So tell us what is the vision, um, how this, this system gets restored and the international market starts functioning again for the benefit of everyone. Yeah, I think that uh, Trump uh, left uh, us uh, with, uh, with, with some uh, nasty uh, tariffs, to just uh, say it bluntly. Uh, we have the Airbus Boeing case, uh, where it goes uh, mm -hmm. on unfair subsidies on both sides of the Atlantic. We both imposed uh, tariffs, uh, which hurt both sides of the Atlantic, uh, our companies and our citizens who now have to pay more for their uh, products. And uh, we now uh, lifted these tariffs to come to really a long-lasting solution. So uh, I think that already sh shows you that the that we are coming into a new state where we are really willing to negotiate and uh, really trying to look for 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 uh, negotiated solutions. Uh, we, there's other uh, uh, tariffs on steel and aluminium. I won't bother you with that too much right now, but uh, I think you can see we, we entered a new stage in our trade relationship. We, For example, we have our first agreement with the Biden administration on tariff rate, rate quotas within the WTA framework. So you can see that uh, that is something that the the, the uh, Trump administration really didn't want to push for. They were they were weren't really eager, and they tried to uh, to stall that process on the tariff rate quotas as much as possible. But when the Biden administration was there, it it we succeeded in a few weeks. So you can really see that we are. I think both sides are really eager to to get this uh, to get this going again, um, and. Uh, well, there's a EU-US summit coming up in June, uh, and I think also there major trade issues such as these tariffs will be discussed, but also where we have joint interests. For example, the Trade and Technology Council. Uh, the, U the EU has proposed to have a Trade and Technology Council with the US. US had not, has not really yet uh said yes to it but they are they're debating it they're thinking about you know what form this council should have and within this council things should be discussed on uh setting ai standards so standardization because now we are developing artificial intelligence and uh, digital solutions on in the us in china in the eu but what we re we really want and the us wants that as well is that we want to have these standards based on really democratic values and uh, not on uh, values that the chinese regime now uh, has in place so that is something that i think the us and also the eu really think alike on and we should really work together in the trade and technology council well, just this would be another podcast and I'll, I'll keep asking you if you can find a little bit of time and come back and talk to me because the question of AI regulation, it's just completely right now mm -hmm. enormous for us to work on. Um, before we go into the next topic, you let all the aluminium aficionados fans of the podcast, which is a large constituency down when you didn't want to go into details. I'm <laughs> going to get a lot of emails uh, complaining about that. <laughs> so let's get serious again. And that is um, Renew Europe yourself, of course. 
We all condemn what happened in February 6th at the Capitol. I have the uh, Renew Europe document that it, it's titled Position Paper on EU-US Relationship right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Very nice logo. I'm going to put the link <laughs> on the podcast description. Please go and check it out. But, um, Leisha, and this is somewhat of a you know, problematic conversation, and I do understand that you have... Uh, to be careful as an MEP and, and is totally normal and acceptable. Mm-hmm. There is this concept, which is, of course, a valuable one that we need to work with anyone that is in power in the United States or any other country. And then, as we know, we work with the House of Representatives, we work with the Senate, we work with the White House. But the way that the Republican Party is going into the deep end, and let's use that expression in a kind way, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's call it that way, I'm becoming more and more concerned that uh, with the radicalized uh, Republican Party, with, and, and we talked about this during the webinar, with all the QAnons and the conspiracy theories and you know, lack of governing, just trolling and spending time on Fox News and Newsmax, that we don't have a reliable partner. For example, in one year and a half, when the House of Representatives goes to elections, it could turn into a Republican control. Are you more relaxed than I am on this one? Am I the one, like, my blood pressure is really rising, but you you know how the thing works and you're feeling a little more positive? Tell us, please get me out of the ledge. <laughs> Well, I think that you raise a very valid point because uh, obviously when Biden was uh, had his inauguration and now he's president of the United States, but he has to be president of all people in the United States. And that also uh, includes people that do not necessarily agree with him. And uh, it's not like he has a really big majority in uh, in the House or in the Senate. And um, actually, he does not. Eh? It's, uh, it's, it's more of a tie, and then the VP can make the final uh, decisions. And I think that that will really... Uh, he, has, he has put some really ambitious plans on the table when it comes to uh, the American Rescue Plan Act, American Jobs Plan, American Families Plan. Uh, there's a lot on the table, but he really has to have the Republicans on board to to yeah to to get these adopted. Uh, so he will have mm-hmm. a, a big challenge, and I agree that that this will be a critical time for him and for the whole Biden administration to really gain that trust of American citizens that did not vote for him. And um, I think that is also a discussion that we had in the U.S. delegation. Uh, with some of the pollers, and I think he rightfully said, because obviously we have these forces also in Europe, eh? it's everywhere in the world where you have more populistic forces that are more out there, uh, that, as you said, it's so so nice, that have perhaps gone off the deep end a bit. Um, They they also, you know, when you win elections, you cannot just really... A party, uh, uh, a party, and just say you we won, you lost, because that will not bring you further. You need these people, and you also need these people to get a majority, but also to to give them the feeling that they are heard. Obviously, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about really crazy uh, theories and uh, conspiracy theories and 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 stuff like that. But people who are 
mildly critical, you you have to try to keep them on board because else you, your country, the, the, else in four years you will have the same problem again, and a Trump uh, a Trump lookalike or soundalike will get uh, will get elected again. So this is a this is a, a valid point that you're raising. Now I'm going to have a moment of podcast host privilege, which is I was big, big fan of Hillary Clinton. I was so much hoping that she would win the election, even with all her flaws, but with all her qualities, because I really want to see um, women president of the United States of America. And it, there was this very, very cool moment where President Biden was doing the address to the Congress and he turned to the uh, to the to the chair behind him to the table behind him and he said you know vice president vice president Kamala Harris <laughs> vice, uh, leader of the house Nancy Pelosi and then he turned into the rest of the uh, auditorium and he says and it's about time that someone says that and it is about time and you as um, also a woman that is doing your work on politics let's talk a little bit about this how cool it is to have Kamala Harris as the vibe, uh, as the VP. And you just mentioned that she had that speech on the European Parliament. So tell us the buzz that there, that there is about this. Yes, and of course, that's really impressive, the, the, the statement that she made in the European Parliament of International Women's Day. And of course, I think that a lot of people, when she was inaugurated uh, with President Biden as his, uh, first, as his uh, vice president, I think everyone got a little bit teary-eyed and said, wow, this is wonderful. Uh, and how great would it be if she were to become uh, first uh, president of the United States, first uh, female president of the United States. Now, I do have to say that uh, fortunately, we were we are lucky enough that in the European Union, we already have some strong uh, women leaders. Mm -hmm. Look at Merkel, who has been in the political European international political arena for a long time, uh, von der Leyen. Uh, who's now leading the European Commission, uh, but also outside of Europe, uh, we have the Prime Minister of New Zealand, who's do doing a great job and is being respected uh, everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do think I fully agree with President Biden when he says it's about time because we in Europe are already, you know, making progress in this way, and I'm happy that they're they're joining us now in uh, more female leaders. Well, it's it's going. It is because it's going to sound like that I'm pandering to you and to all my female listeners. But I think that an American woman president will be, would be very, very good for that country. <laughs> because it's been men after men after men after men. And, and, and for example, uh, you know, the Biden administration is doing a tremendous push right now for a package to help families and to help women that are at home taking care of their children to increase, for example, access to uh, kindergartens and to nursery schools. So, yes, it, it, is, it is time that we see that kind of you know, positive, progressive uh, measures being taken in the United States. Listen, this yes. is fantastic. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. I'm, my time is running out. Just please tell our listeners where they can find your work online. Uh, well, you can uh, follow me on Twitter, obviously, uh, El Schreinemacher. Uh, follow me on Instagram and um, 
Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, you can follow me anywhere. I think Renew uh, also has a website where it, uh, they uh, put up all our, of the work we're doing on behalf of Renew and the liberals in Europe. Uh, so I'm not easy, uh, I'm not hard to find uh, when, uh, <laughs> when you look for me. Well, you've been very generous with your time and uh, giving, you, giving us your insights. And um, I'll keep asking you if you can come back to the podcast because there's, we opened the door for a couple of discussions that would be very important. But for now, Alicia, thank you so much for talking to me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm back just to tell you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And if you like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. Enough for some of the events organized by Elf for the second week of June. And very, very cool. I can promote here on the 10th of June. And it's going to be braised in Brussels. But it's a Zoom webinar on the agenda... EU-US Trade and Technology Council. This is exactly what we just talked with Liz. What will it cover? When will it start? At a recent virtual meeting between the European Commission and President Ursula von der Leyen and US President jo Joseph R. Biden, there was a discussion based on a EU proposal to establish a high-level European-US Trade and Technology Council. Health is glad to organize this timely roundtable with the purpose of discussing the feasibility and the benefits of this future Trade and Technology Council. The speakers will be announced shortly, but you can know more about this event by going to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now, but I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast. It's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-funded by the European Parliament, and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any news that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. <laughs>